So I have uh, with me here a, a special uh, prayer book, a special siddur, also called a machzor for Sukkot. Look at how big it is. That would take a long time, wouldn't it? So, you know, the, uh, uh, what you have in it are special prayers for every day, for the eight days, uh, the seven days of the holiday, and then the additional holiday, Shemini Atzeret, the extra day, um, uh, as well. But I, I just wanted to read a couple of things uh, out of it. There are, on these holidays, <clears throat> on um, uh, especially, I will say, uh, Shavuot, uh, Passover, the eight days of the Feast of Unleavened Bread, uh, and Sukkot, these pilgrimage holidays, the three pilgrimage holidays, that there's a lot of additional prayers and praises and things uh, that, are, that are in there, especially like in when the, uh, the repetition of the Amidah, there are all kinds of, of, of additional uh, prayers. So I just thought I'd read, I just wanted to read a couple of uh, interesting things, I, th I thought, some things that we uh, normally might emphasize on, on Sukkot. So I, I, you have here a particular reading that in English it goes like this. Blessed are you, uh, O Lord, who uh, revives the dead. The uh, coveted fallen Sukkah of David, reestablish it that it never be humbled again. And then it goes on to uh, talk about it. it. It says this, It is measured all around. It will be multiplied 36 times greater than before. The granary was 500 cubits long and 500 cubits wide. The beloved will stretch a line of 3,000 cubits measured by 3,000 cubits. The cloud-covered nation for shelter by day, shaded by the sukkah, May the daytime shade feel uh, like the night. That is very, well, then, uh, let me see, the, the next one says, um, and may the people who now fulfill the laws of the sukkah blossom forth through it at the end of days. So, you know, well, I, I guess the reason, one of the reasons I want to read that is to say we're not making this stuff up, you know, uh, about this is what the, the you know, the rabbis uh, in the rabbinic literature of ancient times talked about. That gets filtered down into the liturgy of today. Uh, and so uh, in the uh, uh, reader's repetition of the Amidah on the second day, you have lots and lots of statements like that where the sukkah uh, is talking about David's... Now here it gets interpreted as the temple. They, uh, the, <laughs> the, the, the one who wrote that additional little section, it's not inspired, okay, you know, uh, defined it as the temple, but in the text, and it comes from Amos, right? Amos chapter 9. And the fallen sukkah of David is his dynasty, is the dynasty of David, Right? Uh, so this is kind of interesting when you follow that through. If the, suk if the fallen sukkah is the dynasty of David, then the sukkah that uh, comes to be uh, is epitomized by the ultimate descendant of David, and that is the Messiah, right? And so the Messiah ultimately is the shelter, right? Uh, and then it talks uh, about uh, the sukkah that will give shade 
uh, you know, to Israel in that day, looking forward to the end of days. So to me, that's kind of interesting because the uh, Messianic king, uh, uh, he is the one that rebuilds the fallen sukkah of David. Uh, and the sukkah of David will, will, will bring shade. You know, the heavenly sukkah will come as the rabbis teach. So it's kind of interesting how that's all, uh, how it's all connected and, and how because of our Haftorah portion today in Zechariah uh, chapter 14, there is this emphasis of the world to come. Very, very interesting. Then there is another, another prayer at another particular uh, day and time of the holiday where you read this in, in English. Blessed are you, O Lord, who spreads the shelter of peace upon us, upon all his people, Israel, and upon Jerusalem. And there it is. Uh, you know, Baruch atah Adonai haporeis sukkat shalom. Sukkat shalom. Aleinu v'al kol amo Yisrael v'al Yerushalayim. Blessed are you, O Lord, who spreads the sukkah shalom. <laughs> Isn't that neat? The sukkat shalom. Right? Uh, upon us. Uh, upon his people Israel and upon Jerusalem. Uh, and so there you go. Uh, the Sukkot Shalom. There's a, there's a message for next time, right? Uh, the uh, shelter of peace. Uh, so the Sukkah is uh, a lot more than uh, to remind us of how God was with our ancestors in the wilderness, right? And how God is always with us and will be uh, with us, uh, is with us today and will be also uh, you know, in the, in the future. So in the uh, New Covenant, as Sylvia read in John chapter 7, it's a very interesting chapter. There's a lot of confusion. When you read the chapter, you just read it and sort of get the feel of what's going on. There's a lot of confusion about who Yeshua is in this chapter, right? First, he's not going to go to Jerusalem. And that's interesting at the beginning. He's talking to his brothers, Right? And he says, you go. You know, it's always a good time for you to go to Jerusalem, is basically what he says. But it's not my time yet, so I'm not going to go. So they leave, and then he changes his mind. <laughs> and he goes, <laughs> right? And it says that he goes secretly, but evidently uh, uh, he couldn't help himself, right? Uh, he goes secretly, but he begins to talk. Uh, he begins to uh, speak, and people are listening to him. And they don't quite know what to make of him. Here he's coming from the Galilee. Why is he coming from the Galilee? And they could not get over that, right? In a variety of different passages. Can anything good come out of Nazareth? Can anything, you know, the Galilee was like uh, country bumpkins or something. Uh, how could the Messiah come from the Galilee? Well, he was born in Bethlehem, uh, but he was not coming from there. And now he's an adult, you know, and uh, usually if you're from another town and you live in Columbus... Uh, you don't know where you come from unless you tell somebody, right? So, uh, uh, so Yeshua was coming from the Galilee. They did not realize that he was born in Bethlehem, uh, right? And, and so who is he? Nobody has spoken with this kind of authority. No one speaks the way he speaks. Uh, and especially when he says, the Father sent him. That was, nobody talked like that, right? If you read uh, like ancient Jewish literature, there is a, a real sense of humility 
uh, among the, the, uh, the rabbis who were very famous, and they would often say, this one spoke in the name of this one. This one spoke in the name of this one. Uh, and, uh, and very rarely, uh, if ever, uh, would anyone say, I am speaking by my own authority that comes from God. That was just not how it was done, okay? Uh, but here, Yeshua speaks with great authority. And uh, you could look that up and you could find some scriptures where it says in varieties of times in his ministry, it, it says in different places in the Gospels, and they were astonished because no one ever spoke with this kind of authority, right? It says that in a few different places. So it wasn't just that he was giving some kind of new message that nobody ever heard before, but there was nobody like him uh, 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 before, okay? All right, so now when we come uh, to... Uh, all the way down to verse 37, the famous passage that we're familiar with, already he has said a few things about himself, you know, coming from the Father, right? Uh, and, and, and there's confusion about what he's saying. How could anybody speak like this? So that helps us to appreciate what's happening in verse 37, because here, uh, he, he speaks like nobody ever spoke these kinds of words. So he's, it's, a, it's the seventh day, Hoshana Rabbah. It is like a high point of the holiday. Okay? Uh, water libations. That's what uh, that, that word comes from the English translation of the Bible. <laughs> right? Water offerings. Water offerings. They would come. It's, it's very interesting. You can read all about it, about how they did it. Uh, they would be walking around with the lulavs, right? They'd be walking, they, and they used them in that day, thousands of years ago. Did you know that? They used lulavs and etrogs, and they were waving them in, in Yeshua's day. You know how we know that? We know that from a couple, we know that from uh, uh, the, uh, the Mishnah, the rabbinic literature that describes temple worship at that time, uh, and on Sukkot, they would make these circuits, which, uh, which happens in like Orthodox synagogues today. Uh, circuits around the, like around the sanctuary and up, uh, up in front of where the Torah is and all that. And different praise psalms are read and, and, uh, and so on. Now today what happens is uh, the, the reason they do that, or the way they, they can do that, is everybody brings their own. It's B-Y-O-L, Okay. Uh, bring your own lulav, okay? The synagogues don't provide them for, like, for people to use. You just get your own. So you buy one online or you go to some place and you get one and you just show up with it, right? Okay? Uh, and uh, so there you go. Beth Messiah, we got the lulav for you, okay? But there's a very interesting story uh, that's uh, from uh, that ancient times when if I don't know if you're if you're aware of it or not, but there was tremendous corruption in the days. It was called the Hasmonean dynasty, right? It was like a hundred years before Yeshua's time, like a hundred years before his time. Great corruption, great corruption in uh, the uh, uh, priesthood, okay, uh, and all kinds of things. So on Sukkot, one particular year, right? The, uh, the high priest comes out, right? And to show the great disdain that the people had for the priesthood, what did the people do? They had lulavs and etrogs. 
they threw the etrogs at the high priest, pelting him with uh, the etrogs. It's a very, you know, a lot of colorful stories uh, that took place at that time period. So one of the reasons why we provide the lulavs and etrogs, oh, no, not really, but uh, it's one of those just-in-case kind of things, all right? Uh, so uh, in Yeshua's day, as I reel myself in, uh, uh, they, would be, they would be going around singing uh, Psalms 113 through Psalm 118. They would be, they would be shaking the lulavs. Uh, priests would be going out to the pool of Siloam and getting water in pitchers and then coming and pouring it over the altar. And it was this just real high point, praying for rain. Uh, and some say also praying for the world to come for the Ruach to be poured out, right? Uh, and, uh, and so it's in the middle of all of this that Yeshua, who, who came secretly to Jerusalem, <laughs> uh, is no longer uh, speaking secretly at all. Uh, and uh, so it says, this is where he says, so get that visual of all that happening, right? And he says, if any man is thirsty... He doesn't say, let him come to my father and drink. He says, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the scripture said, from his innermost being shuffle rivers of living water. This is either blasphemy or he is the incarnation of God. There's no other choice. Okay? I, I, no one would ever speak like this uh, except if he is identified with the, as the Lord, okay? So John gives us, it's so important that in verse 39, John gives us a little interpretation of what's going on. He says, but this he spoke of the Spirit, whom those who believed were to receive. For the Spirit was not yet given because Yeshua was not yet glorified. So notice what happens right afterwards. Now there is real confusion. Is he the Messiah? Is he not the Messiah? When it says, is he the prophet, it means like a prophet like Moses who will come, as it says in Deuteronomy, you know? Uh, is he or isn't he? Because he sure sounds like the Messiah, you know? But this is not exactly how we thought the Messiah would come, that he would come as like this radical guy. Like he would come and be uh, somebody who the established leadership, uh, you know, would, uh, would, not, uh, would not embrace, Right? Uh, Yeshua was, uh, as we might have said in another generation, he was a real radical, you know, uh, when he came and he upset the apple cart. Uh, and, uh, you know, and those who were older and wiser were like, whoa, what is this guy doing? Right? Uh, it reminds us of another period of time, perhaps. <laughs> right? Right. All right. So what does all this mean? What does all of this mean? So it's very interesting what he says, right? First, when he says, me, come to me. Because in the Bible, it is quite clear that living water comes from God. There is no uh, mistaking this, okay? So we can look at a few scriptures. Uh, in Jeremiah, there are several. Uh, let's see, Jeremiah 17 in verse 13. O Lord, the hope of Israel... By the way, the word for hope there is mikvah, like 
mikvah, right? In other places, by the way, in Jeremiah, the word is tikvah, uh, especially in the later chapters of Jeremiah. Tikvat Yisrael. Here it's mikvat Yisrael. Okay? O Lord, the hope of Israel, all who forsake thee will be put to shame. Those who turn away on earth will be written down because they have forsaken what? The fountain of living waters, even the Lord. You cannot get more understanding and plain than that, <laughs> right? Uh, if you're thirsty, come to me. And here, uh, you know, he, he talks about the living waters. The Lord is the source of living water in Jeremiah chapter um, uh, 17 in verse 13. Then if you go back to chapter 2, in Jeremiah chapter 2, in verse uh, 13, here also verse 13, Jeremiah 2.13, for my people have committed two evils. They have forsaken me, the fountain of living water. They have forsaken me, me is the Lord. He's, uh, Jeremiah is not speaking in his own name here. They have forsaken me, the fountain, the source of living waters, to hew for themselves cisterns, broken cisterns that can hold no water, right? I, we'll come back to this. But the point is, is that God is the source of living, uh, of living water. Then, uh, as uh, Sylvia read this morning in, the, in Zechariah chapter 14, in uh, Zechariah chapter 14, you read here about when... Uh, uh, you know, the, uh, from the point of view of the Brit Harasha, when the Lord returns, okay, you know how we, we know that the, you know, the Mount of Olives will split, there's going to be a, a whole change in the terrain of the land and all that, right? Well, it says uh, in verse 7 and 8, it will be a unique day. Which is, known, uh, which is known to the Lord, neither day nor night, but it will come about that at evening time there will be light. Much like what we read toward the end of the book of Revelation. Very similar. Okay? And it will come about in that day that living waters will flow out of Jerusalem. Half of them toward the eastern sea, the other half toward the western sea. It will be summer uh, as, uh, as well uh, as uh, winter. Then, interestingly enough, you read in uh, Ezekiel, in chapter 47, it says this, Now when I had returned, behold, on the bank of the river there were many trees on one side and on the other. And he said to me, These waters go out toward the eastern region and go down toward the Arabah, that's the Negev, okay, that's, you know, the wilderness. Uh, then they go toward the sea, being made to flow into the sea, and the waters of the sea become fresh. It's talking about the Dead Sea, okay? The waters of the Dead Sea will become fresh. Uh, and then it talks about how everything will become fresh and revived and, and so on. So water is going to flow from under the temple out toward the Dead Sea, and, and bring life. It doesn't use the term living waters, but it's very interesting that, that you have that there. Uh, and so, first we'll ask ourselves, what is that, why the term living waters? Why do we have that terminology, living waters? Well, if you've been to Israel, you know that in the summertime, 
Certainly, water is a, you know, is a real commodity in Israel. If you're on a tour bus, right, and you're going, that water, a dollar for a bottle of water, right? Everybody knows that, right? Uh, and uh, you got to always have water. You always have to be carrying water with you. Uh, water is very important. Uh, and uh, what's uh, uh, very important to remember is living water, not salt water, right, or, or water that is undrinkable. But water that comes from a spring, that was uh, uh, the, the real commodity. You know, drinking water, water that, that refreshes, water that, that gives life. So uh, uh, needless to say, it's a perfect metaphor for the life uh, that God gives. Uh, uh, and, the, and the life without God is like being parched, Right? It's like being parched, like being in the desert with nothing to drink, right? Uh, and, uh, uh, and, and so living water is uh, a perfect uh, a metaphor uh, for the life uh, that comes from God. Now, it's used in a lot of ways, this concept of water and uh, you know, giving life, even whether, whether the term living water is used or not. Uh, living water clearly uh, is used there in Jeremiah and in Ezekiel uh, for life that God gives, right? As well as in, uh, in Ezekiel, life that God brings. But we also read, uh, for example, uh, in uh, Isaiah chapter 35, uh, in verse um, uh, 5, then the eyes of the blind will be opened, the ears of the deaf will be unstopped, then the lame will leap like a deer, and the tongue of the dumb will shout for joy. For waters will break forth in the wilderness, and streams in the Aravah. Again, just like you read in, in Ezekiel. Okay? And the scorched land will become a pool, and the thirsty ground springs of water, in the haunt of jackals its resting place. Grass... Uh, uh, becomes reeds and rushes. Okay. Uh, and a highway will be there, a roadway, and it will be called the Highway of Holiness. Right? The unclean will not travel on it, but it will be for him who walks that way, and fools will not wander onto it. Uh, you know, and it says some wonderful things in the next few verses. But the point is, is that you have this concept of water. Water will break forth in the wilderness. Refreshment from God will bring, will bring, uh, will bring life. Then uh, in uh, Isaiah, you also read in chapter 44, For I will pour out on the thirsty land and streams on the dry ground, and I will pour out my spirit on your offspring and my blessing on your descendants, and they will spring up among the grass. So here, this uh, concept of water being poured out uh, is taken to be understood not as, I'm not talking about literally uh, a spring of water, but that God will give life. And what does he say? He says, I will pour out my spirit. I will pour out my spirit. Right? Then it's interesting that in the prophet Joel, which is quoted in uh, the uh, second chapter of Acts, right? Uh, very importantly there, 
where the Spirit of God is poured out. No coincidence uh, there, by the way. Okay, in the book of Joel, in the second chapter, verse 28, And it will come about after this that I will pour out my Spirit on all mankind, and your sons and your daughters will prophesy, your old men will dream dreams, your young men will see visions. I, you know, even on the male and female servants, I will pour out my spirit in those days. I will display wonders in the sky and on the earth, blood fire, blood fire columns of, of, uh, of smoke. And we read uh, the other day, earlier in this chapter, it talks about how there will be a restoration of the sons of Zion, uh, uh, and how the, uh, there'll be a restoration of the land, and there'll be a, a restoration of, um, of beasts of the field. Uh, so it's kind of interesting. So you have uh, all of this in the Tanakh, this concept of water being spoken of as rejuvenation, restoration that God's going to provide, uh, that uh, this, the, uh, uh, the water is like God pouring out his spirit, uh, we read uh, that uh, living waters will flow out of Jerusalem. Uh, we read that God is the fountain of living water. Right? All this goes into what he's saying uh, in John 7. But it is interesting because it's not the first place that he actually talks about uh, uh, living water. Oh, you know, one other passage I wanted to... Um, uh, wanted to mention is Isaiah 55. It won't take the time uh, to uh, turn to it, but it says, come to the waters there. Come to the waters. You know, when I was, did I say this already? Tell me if I said this already, because I, I never know. Uh, that when I was contemplating the, uh, the truth of Yeshua, uh, I was at, a, uh, at somebody's house, and somebody had a guitar, and they were playing this song, come to the waters. You ever hear that? You ever hear that song? That made a, like this major uh, impression on me way back when. I don't remember anything else about that day other than that person playing a song and, sing, <laughs> you know, and singing it. Uh, so that was really kind of interesting. It came from Isaiah 55. And Isaiah 55 is... In, oh, okay. Turn to it. All right. All right. It's important. In Isaiah 55, when it says, Ho, everyone who thirsts, come to the water. You know, if you read Isaiah 53 and 54 and 55, this is almost like an altar call uh, to Isaiah 53. Uh, and that Isaiah 54 is that the daughters of Zion come. Uh, and in Isaiah 55, it's everyone come. Uh, so it's kind of interesting to read it that way. Anyway. Ho, oh, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters. And you who have no money, come and buy and eat. Come, buy wine and milk without money, without cost. Why do you spend money for what is not bread and your wages for what does not satisfy? Listen carefully to me and eat what is good and delight yourself in abundance. And so clearly, come to the waters. I will feed you. I will give you what you need. You live a very dissatisfied life. You know, you're spent, you, you, you work all day and all night to earn money, to spend it on things that don't satisfy or don't last. Come to me. Come to me. 
Isaiah 55, very close to the thought of uh, John chapter 7. And I think that all these passages play into, when, it, you know, when he says, as the scriptures said, out of his innermost being shuffle rivers of living water. There is no verse, right? There is no verse anywhere that says, out of his innermost being shuffle rivers of living water. You can't find it, okay? Yeshua is saying, this is what they're, all those verses are saying, you know? And he's saying that it, is all, it all comes from me. Satisfaction comes from me. The concept that, 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 that God gives refreshment and life comes from me. But not only that, but those passages that speak about living water in Isaiah, or that passage in, Isaiah, in uh, Zechariah chapter 14, uh, you know, in me is, as it were, the entire future. In me is the whole thing. Present and, you know, past, present, and future. In me, you find life now and in the future. Uh, and, uh, you know, this was an amazing statement. Now, of course, this is not the first place where Yeshua says it, right? In John chapter 4, uh, when he's talking to the Samaritan woman. Isn't that interesting? He's talking to the Samaritan woman, uh, you know, and he says uh, this, right? Uh, Yeshua answered and said to her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is who says to you, Give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. She said to him, sir, you have nothing to draw with, right? And the well is deep. Where then do you get that living water, right? You don't know who you're talking to, he says, right? I can give you the, I can, you want just, you want a cup of water? I can give you the whole shebang, right? I can give you living water. You don't realize who you're, who you're looking at, who you're talking to. Yeshua knew indeed who he was, the fountain of living water, the one who indeed uh, gives life, right? Uh, and so, uh, you know, as uh, Messiah followers, as believers on Sukkot, uh, when it's raining, what a great opportunity for us to remember that, you see, in Yeshua is the satisfaction. In Yeshua is indeed mayim chayim, right? Living water, it rhymes, right? So, so that we remember it, right? Mayim chayim, that the living water satisfaction comes from him, right? So this kind of goes along a little bit with what we were talking about last night, Right? That if the satisfaction comes with him, you know, we can really live in a sukkah, so to speak. Much simpler than the way that we live. Because the way that we live, we look for satisfaction, all of us. We can't help ourselves. We look for satisfaction and joy and happiness in lots and lots of, of different ways. But when we say, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, or drink the living water, then... Uh, you know, uh, uh, everything else sort of, the, the priorities work themselves out. 
And contentment then comes from God. And if contentment really comes from God, we will live very differently. If God blesses us with uh, great assets, we can give it away because we're content because our assurance and everything is in the Lord. I don't have to have that or this to be happy or satisfied. It takes away a lot of anxiety, takes away a lot of fear, right? Takes away a lot of worry. And isn't that exactly what Yeshua says? Don't worry, don't fear, don't be anxious. Of course, we also read that we're to work with our hands and we're, you know, and we're to be responsible people. We certainly read that. Uh, no doubt about that. We're not to be schnorrers, as we would say in Yiddish, uh, which has nothing to do with sleeping, okay? Uh, like beggars or, you know, that kind of thing. Not at all. Uh, in fact, it's very interesting uh, that you read in, um, uh, I'm just going to pick one place, but, you know, but, but in, you know, in Ephesians uh, chapter uh, 4, there's very, inter- very interesting about this. It says, let him who steals, steal no longer. It's in verse 28 of chapter 4. I just thought of it. Let him who steals, steal no longer. Okay? But it says, rather, let him labor. Work. No stealing, work. But then it doesn't say so that you can take care of yourself. It doesn't say that. It says, performing with his own hands what is good in order that he may have, the, have something to share with him who has need. See? And the whole idea is that we're all, as uh, someone coined in recent history, we're all kind of passing it forward uh, when it comes to that. You know, that God is the one who provides. We're called to labor, and then we're called to be God's hands and legs and, and serve other people. And it's like this circle where we're all busy working and we're all busy helping and receiving and, and needs are met. And that's what community, and, and, you know, in fact, is, is indeed uh, all about. But, you know, when we uh, find our contentment in the Lord... Uh, and, you know, we read all those passages last night, like about the guy that earns so much, he doesn't know what, you know, he's thinking about his retirement, and uh, what fund am I going to put it in, right? Uh, and then uh, Yeshua uh, says, you fool, you're going to die tonight, and you can't take it with you, right? It's basically what he says. Uh, and so we need to think that way uh, indeed as well, and be challenged. Uh, in that, to have an inner core of simplicity, not just an outer way of living, but an inner core of simplicity, simplicity, of sincerity of faith, of single-mindedness, knowing that uh, 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 the Lord, Yeshua, is the fountain of living water. And if you're in a parched desert, you want the fountain of living water, and you're going to focus on it, not add it to the constellation of other things. And so, uh, you know, that great passage in uh, Jeremiah chapter 2 uh, about the, uh, uh, you know, the cisterns that don't hold water, right? Isn't that just so much of what we do in life, right? That we fill up cisterns and they don't hold anything. It's very much like Isaiah 55. Why do you spend your money for things that don't satisfy why do you do all kinds of things to get money for things that don't satisfy? Come to me, come to the waters. And he never stops saying it. He never stops saying it. Come to me, come to the waters. And that is what Yeshua 
uh, is indeed saying to them and saying to us. Psalm 42, right? The great psalm when you're depressed. You want to read Psalm 42. That's where he's crying and his couch is his tears, uh, saturated with tears. And he says, oh, my soul, why am I so down? Right? But the first thing he says there is, as the deer pants for water, so my soul pants for you, God. He doesn't pray, Lord, fix the situation. He says, Lord, I need more of you. I need more of you. The fountain of living waters. He recognizes it even in the depths of darkness. He recognizes that's what his need is. In Psalm 42, in verse 1. So my soul pants for you as the deer pants for water, right? Uh, and then, uh, you know, we can just finish up on this. In, in another psalm, in Psalm 37, this idea of drinking from the fountain of living water. Psalm 37 is very concrete, you might say, in what, you know, how to do that. Uh, the whole psalm is fantastic. I mean, it is, uh, it is one of my favorites. You know, and remember how the Psalms operate, right? We read the Psalms to connect emotionally to God. They're also good to, you know, to learn from and to take apart and to study and to understand, uh, you know, God's attributes and all that. But I would say that their, their primary meaning is that we, we connect emotionally to God in the Psalms. Okay? So it says here do not fret because of evildoers. Be not envious toward wrongdoers, for they will wither quickly like the grass and fade like the green herb. And then you have this series of uh, uh, admonitions and what they produce. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and cultivate faithfulness. Feed off of faithfulness, so literally, very interestingly. Delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust in him and he will do it. Basically, what these verses are saying, you know, he will bring forth your righteousness as the light, your judgment as the noonday. Rest in the Lord. Wait patiently for him. Do not fret because of him who prospers in his way, because of the man who carries out wicked schemes. Cease from anger. Forsake wrath. Do not fret. It leads to, it leads only to evil doing, right? So what he says don't be worried, don't be anxious, he says, but come to me. And he uses words like commit, rest, trust, right? Uh, delight in the Lord. Uh, and when it says here, uh, he'll give you the desires of your heart, he will do it, uh, and so on. Um, uh, uh, the, the point is, is that's like drinking the water, it's like drinking the living water, you know? So just uh, interestingly, the word commit in Hebrew, I don't know if you're familiar with it, goal, when it, because it's a command, goal, goal, comes from the word uh, galal, galal, like Galilee, you know, where that comes from. And you know what it actually means? The word actually means? It means to roll, like Gilgal, like you read Gilgal is uh, from this word, all right? To roll. So you know what that says to me? is that uh, it's an action. It's like, commit your way to the Lord. Uh, and in fact, uh, uh, in, you could, uh, there's, there's a very interesting uh, translation of this from a Jewish source. This is, commit your destiny. 
your way, commit your way, commit your destiny to the Lord. And so this concept of rolling is like moving forward. This commitment is not just um, a statement of, uh, of will, but a statement of will followed by movement, movement, closer, uh, closer and closer walking with the Lord, drinking from him, finding satisfaction in him, focused on him, you know? And, and I think, it, commit your way to the Lord. Your life, commit your, your life, commit your plans, uh, commit everything that you're bringing to the table to the Lord. Why? That is really something because we all have plans of some form, right? And oftentimes those plans, because uh, uh, we don't know, is it going to happen? Is it not going to happen? What's going to become of me? Or what's going to... Commit, ro- roll, I can't say it. Uh, roll with God, right? <laughs> sort of roll with him. Uh, and, uh, and he will do it. He will make your way straight in his will. And boy, in his will, nothing is bad, okay? Uh, and, uh, and, and so this is drinking from the fountain of, uh, of living water. So on Sukkot, may uh, we drink from the fountain of living water. May we cease going to every watering hole that there is, but drink from him, be satisfied, live a life that, uh, that is less anxious, less worrisome, less fearful, because, you know, the sukkah, God understands how fragile life is, right? Uh, and he fills us. He fills us with, uh, with living water. We may be like one of those cisterns that's got a lot of holes in it, but you know what? He fixes it. He super glues that cistern back together, and it can hold lots of water, lots of living water. There's no lost causes uh, with the Lord, right? And so let us come to the waters. Let us drink from the fountain of living waters. Let us be led by the Ruach, the Spirit of God. And you know, just lastly, he says, and out of you shall flow rivers of living water. It doesn't say, and in you shall flow rivers of living water, but out of you shall flow rivers of living water. So if we are filled with living water, you know what that means? That means that we, in our lives, we become conduits of living water. We demonstrate the fruit of the Spirit uh, in the lives of other people, and, and uh, we become refreshing uh, to others. Uh, uh, and don't you know people like that? Sure you do, right? Uh, because out of them flows rivers of living water. But the secret is you have the living water in you. Let it flow out, you know? Don't look at yourself and say, Ugh, yes, I know the Lord, but there's nothing in me. No, that's right. Yeah. When I am weak, then I am strong. You know, living water shall flow out of you. Uh, and so when we talk about restoration, not only are we restored in the Lord, but we become agents of restoration in Yeshua, in the lives of other people. That's how you turn the world upside down. That's how you make a difference. Living water flows out, right? And so you, you know, just like Yeshua, he came not to, not to be served, but to serve. Let us let the living water flow out of us and uh, let um, uh, uh, you know, people uh, drink from it and, and come to the waters and, and uh, celebrate, one might say, Sukkot, 
uh, in the Lord together. Uh, and may the day come when this whole world is turned upside down and we look forward to that day when Yeshua appears again and the whole world will be Sukkot. Let's pray. Lord, uh, thank you, uh, God, for uh, just uh, what a magnificent promise that we have in you, Lord. And uh, we do uh, pray, God, uh, for each of us, for all of us, for a community as, as uh, Beth Messiah congregation, Lord. Uh, we do pray, uh, Lord, that we, that living water would flow out of us, that we would not just be concerned about our own uh, programs and selves and what we're doing here, Lord, and, and uh, you know, and how nice it is and that kind of thing. Uh, but uh, let us uh, be focused outside and may living water indeed flow from us. We thank you and we pray in Messiah's name. Amen.